This is the Bates Bobcast, our weekly podcast where we take a look at the week that was in Bates Athletics. My name is Aaron Morse, and this week we continue our Why I Coach series with the head coaches of Bates Volleyball and Field Hockey, Melissa Duran and Danny Ryder-Kogan. That's coming up on the Bates Bobcast. Melissa Duran completed her fifth season at the helm of the Bates volleyball team in 2019, leading the Bobcats to their fifth consecutive appearance in the NASCAC tournament and a 16-10 record, the team's most victories in 10 years. Duran joins the Bobcast to talk about how she first got into coaching and who has influenced her along the way. I remember specifically when it dawned on me that I could have a career in collegiate athletics. It, it it wasn't something that was even in my purview when I went to college. You know, I, I grew up in a small town, 200 people. I'm going to date myself. We didn't have cable. We didn't have internet. Like I didn't have a ton of exposure to this litany of career choices. So really in my head, I was going to be a teacher, a nurse or a farmer's wife. And I didn't like blood. I didn't like being on the farm anymore. So I was like, okay, I'm going to go to college and, and I'm going to, you know, I'm going to be a teacher. I'm going to get my teaching certificate. Um, you know, so I ended up down at Murray State University in, in the southwest corner of Kentucky in the, in the Bible Belt. And, you know, things are, are going well and it's my junior year and I'm sitting in my coach's office. And I just looked at her and I was like, you do this all day? Like, what do you do all day? She's like, what do you mean? I'm like, this is your job. Like, I think it finally dawned on me that she just didn't show up at four o'clock and like throw practice together. And I was like, well, what, what do you do? And, and it was the first time it had ever dawned on me like, oh man, I, I could wear sweatpants all day and wear my hair up in a messy bun and, and play a sport and like get paid for it. Um, so I think the seed was kind of planted there. I didn't really know what that meant or what that looked like from a, actually applying that to an exact tangible path. So I kind of went on my way. I I finished my history degree. I knew I moved back to Ohio to get my teaching certification in Ohio. And um, it was there when I was in Ohio that uh, a wonderful woman named Pam Briggs from Capital University who had actually recruited me just a little bit and had done a camp at my high school knew I was on campus, knew I was getting my teaching certification there and asked me if I wanted to help out with the volleyball program. And I was like, oh, I think I kind of do want to do that. So at that point, it was just kind of towing two worlds. And um, oh man, I was hooked. I was hooked after that. It was, it was kind of love it, love at first sight the first time I got to walk in that gym and be on the other side of things. So what was your big breakthrough, I guess, in coaching? You started off helping out with that program, but how, how do you kind of go from there sort of? You know, it's, it's interesting. I think, I mean, everyone's past unique, but I think I almost went about it a little bit backwards. So I was, and this is in the late nineties. So this was possible. I, I was only, I was at capital. I got my certification for teaching done in a year. And all of a sudden this, you know, I, I'm looking at jobs, all right? Am I going to teach and, and coach at the high school level? Um, and Coach Briggs is showing me some college jobs. And there was a head coaching job that had just been posted for at the um, Tiffin University, which was 15 minutes from my hometown. 
or basically was my hometown. Uh, it was the closest town <laughs> next to my village. And so in my head, I, Aaron, I was so naive. I had no idea what I was doing. I didn't know what questions to ask. I didn't know, I didn't know what I was getting into. Uh, it was an NAI school at the time going, making the division two jump. So we were right in that process of changing over. But I, I applied, I, Coach Briggs gave those famous last words of, it doesn't hurt to interview, it'll be good experience. Um, so I did that and uh, they actually offered me the job. And I was just so excited. I was 22 to have a job offer on the table. I was like, yep, I took it. Like I didn't even, I didn't play it cool and like hang up the phone and be like, I need to think about it. Like I was like, no, yeah, I'll do that. I was really excited. Um, you know, so I, I was at Tiffin for three years and it, it was tough. It was tough. I, I, I think, you know, in retrospect, I had no idea no idea you know you look at coaching as an outsider and you see these games and you see schemes and like all this the, the volleyball piece you don't realize all the things that are behind the scenes um and i just i struggled i really did struggle and i realized after a few years like i can't i can't outwork this situation you know i'd sleep in my office i i did but i couldn't we were playing some of the toughest competition in the country and I just, it was tough. Um, and I realized at that point, like, okay, I, I need to step back and I need to be an assistant. Like I need to go and I need to learn and um, I need to think about a graduate degree. I, I need to, to like walk backwards a little bit. So I started off as a head coach, then went back to being a GA and then was an assistant coach and then was a head coach again. So it was, I, I, went in a little difficult, different chronological order than most. Are there so, any stories from those early days that you still remember that where you're like, oh, I'm over my head here? <laughs> oh my gosh. I, I am just so happy that the young women from Tiffin still talk to me. <laughs> um, you know, when you first start, when I first started out, I didn't know how to be except to be like my college coach. You know, I didn't have my own identity yet. And I was, uber competitive and I was, you know, wins and losses meant the world. And I hadn't quite, I hadn't learned how to separate who I was as a human being from who I was as a coach yet. So I would take these things so deeply personal. Um, it was, I would, had no idea what I was doing. <laughs> it was, um, you know, and when I left college, you know, I went to a division one school and, and I had a great experience. I wouldn't trade it, but I was not prepared to be anything but a volleyball player coming out of college. I was not, you know, I look at these young women at Bates and I'm so impressed with how ready they are for the world outside of sport. And I was not that, I was not prepared for that. So I, I, there was just this kind of human element that I had to work through and get better at, but I soon began to realize pretty quickly that I think as all coaches do, at least good ones, I hope that the relationships you have with your athletes are, are what is far more important than, than the wins and losses. And so it was, you know, those early days, it, it was a slow trudge. Um, we were 
definitely kind of in over our heads. We, we had a gym that was probably smaller than alumni. And, you know, we're playing Ferris State and Grand Valley and just in these huge arenas. And it was, it was tough, <laughs> but you know, so, and again, very fortunate, I was like 23 years ago. So, but some, a lot of my stories, I think a big event that really changed everything for us was when 9-11 happened, I was coaching there. Um, and we were on our way to a game against Ohio Dominican down in Columbus and to have that event. And then to, at that point, and that was kind of a big watershed moment, realized that I was not a coach. I was a mentor. I was a helper. I was a guardian. I was a protector at that point. I had to, the game didn't matter. Um, and all of a sudden that became a big focal point and I think a big turning point in at least my coaching philosophy. So. And then who are some mentors for you as you continue to grow as a coach? Sure. I mean, my first mentor was Pam Briggs. Um, she was the head coach at Capitol for a very long time, was hugely influential in volleyball. She, you know, sadly passed away a few years ago from breast cancer. And I, I don't think the church could have been any more full of, of people there to, to support you know, her and, you know, she was the first, but really what I have found, um, gosh, there's been so many, there's been mentors with capital M's and mentors with little M's. I feel like everywhere I've been, I have run into people. And some of my mentors haven't even been volleyball coaches. You know, I, when I was at union there, there were, um, a couple coaches there who didn't coach volleyball at all, but just the way they interacted with their team. You know, I got this great advice and I'll tell you one of my biggest um, mentors was a gentleman by the name of Carl McGowan, who was the first head coach for the men at BYU. And um, he was just instrumental in my development. And he said, best advice I've ever had. Melissa, there will come a point where you stop looking for new drills and you start looking for new ways to motivate your athletes. And that just hit me right on point. And then it became, gosh, there's administrator, there's all these sorts of people that I can kind of glean from different ways to learn how to motivate our athletes and, and not necessarily learn more about volleyball. Um, but yeah, Pam Briggs was huge. Carl McGowan was huge. Terry Condon, who was at UMass Boston, who, who's um, at Tufts as an assistant coach now, uh, was, was huge. And there's just been there's been almost too many mentors along the way to, to mention. Right now in my life, um, I mean, my biggest mentors are the people that I, I spend the most time with every day. And that's really my assistant coaches, you know, both Rob and Wyatt. And, you know, Wyatt first, I think sometimes a mistake people make when they talk about mentors is they think they have to be older. Um, there's an experience factor that people are chasing. But Wyatt, Wyatt's amazing. You know, the longer I'm coaching the more of a generational gap is being created and Wyatt bridges that. And I trust him implicitly, but I can go to Wyatt and he's just got so much more to share with me regarding growing up with social media, how it's affecting college students now. Like there's just things that, you know, I never experienced that I, I hear about and I can try and kind of put myself in their shoes, but he's walked that path. So it's actually, he's a huge help, but Rob Thompson is a special guy. He, that man, teaches middle school, like I can't emphasize that, middle school at Lewiston, and then comes over to us every day. So he puts 
all this time into Lewiston schools during the day. And then he comes over to us and it's just like sunshine walking in the door. He, Rob is somebody who the entire world could be burning, but Rob, you would never know by looking at Rob's face. He has just this uncanny gift of being able to detach to taking a wide lens view on things. And, you know, I can get emotional and dramatic and my neck gets red and I get angry and, and Rob just like yangs my yin and he can just be someone I can speak to and very, not because he doesn't care, just unemotionally or, or at least perceptively unemotionally can, can really break stuff down for me and give me just a much different mature view on what's happening and without my whole, you know, it's personal kind of thing getting in the way. So when it comes to, again, you're always looking at people who and how people interact with other people and just watching Rob talk to people. It's just, I mean, he's just one of the most amazing mentors I have right now. Great. And then what advice would you give someone coming out of college now who wants to get into coaching? I mean, based on what you've learned throughout your career. <laughs> um, you know, certainly finding a good mentor, but I think now like there's, I think you have to really evaluate why, why do you want to do this? Um, I think that being able to question a couple coaches, ask, you know, those big questions, not just about again, X's and O's, but what's your life like? Uh, you have a family. What's that like? Are you balancing that? Like, you know, to kind of seeing how you want to do this, but there's so many resources out there now that I just wasn't privy to. There's, you know, so many things through the NCAA. You could go on the NCAA website and just find leadership committees and mentorships and internships and all these other things um, that would give you a little bit better of a head start than I necessarily experienced by just like jumping off the deep end, like a cannonball. Um, I think that there's a lot of resources out there that'll help you dip your toe in the pool uh, per se a little bit more. Um, but yeah, the NCAA website's a great start. Uh, your own coach uh, or other coaches that you know are a great start. Um, there's so many, there's so many schools out there that are looking for assistance and graduate assistance and just being able to Again, I keep using that analogy, dip your toe in the pool kind of slowly. So if there's any piece of advice, don't, don't cannonball, like, <laughs> you know, ask for help, learn a little bit um, before you go jumping off the deep end. What do you enjoy most about coaching? What like puts a smile on your face, you know, kind of oh. each day and keeps you, keeps you going, I guess. Yeah. I, I don't understand why everybody doesn't do this as a job. Like, seriously, again, I, I'm in sweatpants and um, I get to hang out with these just amazing human beings all the time. So, it, you know, I think my team is tired of me saying this to them, but like the best part of my day is four to seven. You know, when I get to walk in the gym, when I get to kind of put, you know, certainly in this time, all the stressors and, and things behind us for a little bit. And I get to see these familiar faces and I get to hear about their days. I get to uh, learn about their lives. We, we get to kind of connect and then we get to play a game together. It's, it's amazing to me, but I would say at this stage in my career, the thing I like best about coaching is just being there to try in some way, help our young people navigate I think 18 to 22 is a brutal time and just being there to kind of help them in some way navigate the stressors of that. Um, that is by far 
the best part of, of what I do. Great. And then this is your sixth year at Bates. And so yes. have you seen the program kind of grow um, during your time here? What are some goals you have, you know, moving forward for the program? You know, I think right now our main goal is just not to atrophy. It's, it's to, it's to keep together. It's to keep our, what makes Bates volleyball so special is the sense of community we have on our team, um, our team dynamic and things like that. And just protecting that and really working on that. And because, you know, the goal has always been get to the NCAA tournament, get comfortable being there and then starting to do damage now that we're there and, and not necessarily, it's not that I don't care about the NESCAC. I definitely do, but I, I want to be a national program. I don't, I don't want to just be content with conference play. I want to be that national program. So that is certainly the long-term goal. That's always been the goal. We're building towards that. Um, but I think as of this moment right now, this morning, our, our big goal is just, just sticking together, giving each other uh, time and space to, to work through COVID, to work through all these things. And again, not atrophying and just growing our program, you know, off the court. And, and that's our goal right now. All right. Well, any other thoughts you want to share about coaching that we haven't gotten to discuss? I think that what's, what I wish I had known when I was 20 is that there's a whole world out there in collegiate athletics that people could be a part of, whether it's in administration, whether it's in um, our sports medicine staff, whether it's like, it's not just coaching. I think there's so much, you know, outside looking in, sometimes it just looks like a coach. I don't think people realize the amount of support staff that is makes a university's athletic program run. And I've had some, I've had some of my alumni who've gone into, you know, collegiate athletics from a social media side who, who run alumni relations for Georgetown or, or do, there's so many other things you can do. So if you're just a, a student who maybe coaching isn't quite the thing, maybe you don't want those hours, maybe you don't want that strain or the emotional ups and downs that come with it. There are so many other avenues that you can go into collegiate athletics and, and still make a huge impact on student athletes. Danny Ryder Kogut led Bates Field Hockey to its best NESCAC record in program history in 2019 as the Bobcats finished 10 and 6 overall and 6 and 4 in conference play. She is in her eighth year at the helm of the program. Danny, let's just start when you were in college. You played goalkeeper in college uh, at Stonehill. When did you start to think after you graduated you wanted to get into coaching? When did that thought come into your mind? I started to think about it really my senior year at Stonehill. Um, I wanted to have the opportunity to go on and get my master's and coaching was a way that I could make that more affordable. Um, so I looked into graduate assistant positions and I really loved the child, um, development program at Tufts. And I really wanted to, to go, um, and to get into that program and really was like the only program I wanted to apply for, for my master's. Um, so I really emailed the Tufts coach quite a bit asking about her graduate assistant position. Um, her and I are really good friends now. And she jokes that I like harassed her about the position, <laughs> just kept emailing her. Um, so, so I saw it as a way to continue my, my education. Um, but I didn't, I didn't know that it would end up leading to, my career at that time. Um, it really wasn't until my second year of grad school. I was, I was, like I said, in the child development um, department and my advisor there 
this amazing, um, brilliant guy. And he had, he had done a lot of work on how we learn to play sport and how it, um, impacts our development and our growth and our identity and our, um, our confidence and all these other things. And I, I thought it was really incredible kind of some of the work he was doing. And so it really started to make me think about that as a career path, um, and kind of meshing the two worlds of developmental psych, which I really enjoyed with sport, which I was super passionate about. It was really that second year of grad school. I remember I went into his office and I was like, okay, I'm going to write this thesis. That's really long and a lot of work, but just so you know, like I really just want to coach. Um, and we had a good chuckle about it and he really supported uh, me finishing my master's, but, but gearing it in a way that would be um, useful as I transitioned more into the coaching world. Um, so it was in those two years at Tufts that I knew I wanted to end up coaching and had a great opportunity post Tufts to be an assistant at Vermont. Um, and it, that was really nice because I had played D2 and then had just coached in the NESCAC D3. And then to have the opportunity to go coach division one really gave me a broad perspective, I think, of the different levels of field hockey um, in the country. And then I was really able to decide maybe what fit my, my personality or my coaching style best. What are some of the similarities and differences between the three levels of field hockey, just from your point of view, I guess, based on your experience? Yeah, so I guess this is definitely my my point of view and how I see it. But um, field hockey, to me, field hockey is field hockey, and it's this really amazing sport. And I think you can coach the game and the skills and the tactics um, at any level. But I think where some of the, the divisions differ is just with the approach to that coaching and how much of your time is spent really not coaching the X's and O's of the game and doing a lot of other stuff with your student athletes. Um, but I think that's also a personal thing. I know there's a lot of division one coaches who really invest in their student athletes outside of the sport. Um, and there's certainly some that it's just all about the X's and O's. So that's, I think more personal than, than really divisional. Um, but I really liked the intensity of the game at division one and just how much those student athletes um, how much time they dedicate to the sport and what I really recognize from my time um, in the NESCAC is that the NESCAC is this niche little conference in D3 where you get that intensely focused student athlete, um, but then you also get some of the other benefits that I think fo that fall under the Division III um, philosophy under that philosophy. And so it's this really unique conference where you almost have the best of both worlds. And then how about some mentors for you as you've gone through your coaching career here? Yeah, so um, there's definitely a few. Um, obviously, the the coach at Tufts, Tina, now Matera, was McDavid when I coached um, for her, was a huge mentor for me. Um, she took me as her GA when she was relatively new as a head coach, too. She'd only been there for, I think, six or so years when I joined her. Um, and she was just really supportive of that journey and having – gone, gone through as a younger coach. She was really good about, um, pushing out of my comfort zone and getting me to be involved in a lot of stuff with the NFHCA, which is our coaches organization, um, and all these other things, which I've definitely carried through and, um, still spend a lot of time volunteering with to this day. So I think she was really good about making sure I knew who was who and what organizations to get involved with and always like introducing me to people that she, that might help my career. Um, so that was huge. And then obviously she, 
she's a brilliant coach. So just sharing that knowledge too. Um, and then working with Nikki up at UVM was also really influential because I think that she really tried to find that balance, even at the division one level of doing a lot of work with her student athletes, just with team culture um, and expectations of them outside of sport. And that's something that I've carried with me that that culture is incredibly important. Um, and so that was pretty influential. Um, and then the other big, I think, person who had a big impact was Ainsley Lamb. She used to be the Boston College head feel like a coach. She now works with um, Three Step Sports, which provides a lot of recruiting opportunities to student athletes. And she was just always incredibly welcoming to me um, as a coach to either work her camps or do different recruiting events that she was running. Um, she invited me to watch a lot of her spring practices because NESCOC obviously were not training in the spring. So I'd go down and watch their practices and get to pick her brain um, about why they were working on certain things or just kind of general tactics and, and skill development ideas. And I always found her incredibly welcoming, which I think sometimes um, across the divisions, it can seem like, okay, they're D1, we're <laughs> D2, and then we're D3. Um, but I, I really was inspired by her because she really wanted to just share field hockey with anyone who was willing to put in the time. Um, so she was a big role model as well. How would you describe kind of your coaching style? What, what, what you're like out there with the players and everything? Um, yeah, I mean, I think that develops throughout your career and is constantly developing um, and really definitely has changed for me a bit. And this is my 10th year as a head coach, but 14th or so year overall coaching, maybe a little bit longer than that, maybe 15 years. Um, but I think my style now is really recognizing that the program is, you know, my job is to, to mentor and oversee the program, but the program is my student athletes. Um, and so I really try to give them a lot of ownership. And so my coaching, I think, reflects that where it's a lot of discussion based. We do a lot of work when we end a drill, we get together as a team and we really try to evaluate the drill um, and that evaluation process starts with them. So they will often break up into smaller groups and evaluate the drill on their own first and then present their ideas. And I think it's a nice way to coach because a lot of times we just get to go, yep, you're right. Like that's what we were thinking too. And that's a really powerful moment when we know we're on the same page. And sometimes it's a, you know, we liked A, B and C, but we want to add D because we think you're missing that point. And so it's more of a collaborative approach. Um, and I think it's been really effective over the last couple of years to shift in that direction. I think when I was younger, it was more like wanting to always give <laughs> the feedback and be the one directing that. But I think when they take ownership over um, their learning, it's much more powerful. And, and we take that into everything we do. So you know, team values, all that stuff, it's really um, directed by them. What do you enjoy most about coaching? What, what makes you smile every day? Kind of, you know, going to work. <laughs> um, the personalities, they're super funny. Um, our whole team has some great personalities. I think it's, you know, it's the people, obviously you, you just love the, the people you get to work with and it's really inspiring to get to work with so many different um, people who are just passionate about the sport that you are as well. And I think that's the best part of just, you get to be a part of something that is really positive and just a great part of your day. I don't know. It's, it's sometimes hard to describe like what a team does, but it's just this group of individuals who you can go and you can 
have these common goals and work towards something, but also share little bits of yourself along the way. And I think the response and that welcoming, that welcoming atmosphere to, to be able to do that and to learn about one of one another is really um, empowering for them and for, for me as a coach too. And then, you know, I think we all play sports because we're competitive at heart and we love, we love that pressure. We love the competition. Um, And so of course, you know, just playing and having that competition makes me smile. And I, I love it when they, when they feel success, even if it's in a drill or on the stage of like a big game, um, when you see your team succeeding, there's literally um, almost nothing better than to, to watch that joy on their face of like knowing the hard work that went in behind that moment and just how much time they've spent preparing for that moment, I think is really cool. Um, and that definitely rolls over into off the field stuff too. You know, when you meet them as first years and they have no idea what they want to study, um, and they're just all over the board and they're super excited about all these different things at Bates. So by the time they're senior and they're telling you about their thesis, it's knowing that backstory and the work they've put in and then seeing that moment of success is really cool. Awesome. And then, um, how have you seen the program kind of grow since you first, you know, started here, uh, back in 2013? I mean, it's grown tremendously. Um, I think in terms of like win and losses, that's that can sometimes be obvious on, on paper. Like we've had a lot of success on the field, um, but it's grown so much beyond just, just those wins and losses. I think it's become a program that has its own culture and identity that we're all really proud of on the team. Like our current 2020 team has worked really hard Um, over the last couple of years to make that culture really one that we all love and enjoy and want to be a part of. And I think that cultural shift is really hard to create. And there's moments that are really um, rough. (laughs) And then there's moments that are really great. And I think whenever you're trying to change a program um, and create that cultural shift, you have to kind of go with the the ebbs and flows of positive and, and hard times. But we're definitely heading into a period where we feel really good about our culture. Um, and because of that, it's definitely resulting in higher level play because we all are enjoying the atmosphere that we're a part of. And so they definitely go hand in hand. Um, but that's been a, a huge transition in eight years. Next time on the Bates Bobcast, we'll continue our Why I Coach series with soccer coaches Tyler Shake and Joe Vary. That's next time on the Bates Bobcast. Bye, 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 bye.